Welcome to another Decade in Review podcast. We're doing 2014 this time. Uh, We're going to jump right into things with our honorable mentions as usual. Uh, But before we begin, I just want to go ahead and note down once again that keep in mind that while we're talking about series year by year from the previous decade the series that we include on our lists aren't necessarily our favorites just what we consider to be the most notable of the year and the ones that we have the most to talk about with so i actually have quite a few honorable mentions but let's go ahead let's start with yours first uh because i know that you probably have a couple that you are itching to talk about. I have a couple. Yeah. I'll, I'll lead off with uh, one we don't usually recommend uh, uh, you know bring back an, an earlier member uh, more than once but uh, because I have no movie on my mention list I will give an honorable mention to the Space Brothers Zero movie so I get an obligatory uh, Space Brothers mention uh, which thankfully someone actually picked up, uh, so I believe that's on high dive, and and folks can watch that. It's one of the only things that uh, has no manga counterpart, and it's awfully good, and so you should partake. See this, this was the year that um, I was I was pissed because you were telling me about uh, you know Simoe prior to this. And I was busy waiting. I had a few entries, and I thought that Noelle from Celestial Method would be a ringer because there is literally no existence in the universe more Moe than Noelle from Celestial Method. So uh, I'll, I'll give that a call out. The the series that I didn't watch, which had the most community volume, there was uh, this was the year of Crossange. So uh, that that was a fun time. This was the year of Nobunaga, because it had, in some confluence of events, three Nobunaga series coming out at almost the same time. Uh, Concerto, Nobunaga the Fool, and Nobunagun. Only one of them I watched, and it wasn't good. Uh, (laughs) So, you know. But, when you're going to have a year, if we have a year with three Sherlocks, I'll I'll give that a mention as well. We, We constantly get pretty close. Um... This was the year Ping Pong came out. We should definitely do a podcast about that sometime. Uh, (laughs) And uh, this was the year that the one and only core of Ald Noah Zero came out. So I will give it honorable mention in that it was an interesting, uh, you know, Gundam-like experience. It had fun fights. It had a great... A massively impactful ending, and because they did not continue this series into a second core, they didn't ruin the entire show with it. So uh, I'm I'm glad for that, and I'll I'll leave off my honorable mentions from there. All right. Uh... Unlike uh, previous years, I actually have quite a few honorable mentions that I need to get through. Actually, uh, dropped the first a few one... thinking that you'd thinking that you'd either honorable or bring them up. So uh, I, I'm leaving a few that I think uh, uh, are, are making your list. So Okay. Uh, well, I mean, the first three I want to bring up. Uh, first one is a series that my wife and I watch every so often. It, we don't watch it as frequently as we do other series, but it's still a fun little reverse harem that we thought would take off, and we thought that it would get a bunch of figures and merchandise and all this good stuff, and nope, it got basically completely ignored by almost everyone in the world, Uh, and that would be Kamigami no Asobi. What? (laughs) exactly there you go uh the second honorable mention i want to bring up is a series that desperately needs a second season and that would be yona of the dawn Uh, it's such a great action series i really enjoyed it and it still pisses me off to this day that it left off on such a massive cliffhanger and then just never came back there's time uh yeah, 
There is still time. Uh, I want to echo your honorable mention of Cross uh, Anjay um, because this was the year that I started working for a European streaming website, which no longer exists, so I won't bother mentioning them. Hmm. But part of my job was to watch everything that they simulcast, and the very first series that they assigned to me was this one. And so, yeah, it just kind of sticks out in my memory of one of those things of that's how far I was willing to go to keep my job. So, so you, uh, yeah, you were a huge fan then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that was prime quality grade A. <laughs> uh, the, the other three series I want to mention, I don't actually have a whole lot to mention about them, but I want to bring them up specifically because at the beginning of 2014, for three or four months, I was working for the website Japanator, and I was on their podcast on a weekly basis, and this was the year that I got to have a great time discussing Nisikoi, Sakura Trick, and Super Sonico. So shout out to Tim and Karen for providing me with a lot of fun discussions over the weeks when we watched those series. But yeah, those were all of my honorable mentions. So, all right, let's go ahead. Let's jump into our main lists. We'll go ahead. We'll start with you. What is your very first pick or notable series of 2014? I figure I'd bring one. I'd mention it pretty early because it made my alphabet list so we've chatted about this somewhat and i know it's not going to be a crossover with you and that is the uh comedy slice of life with the second most precocious uh young girl character in all of manga land uh that would be barakamon so uh that is uh it you get lots of series about, you know, someone who's feeling professional dissatisfaction and they go, you know, to find themselves somehow. I've never really seen it done from an artist sort of standpoint, at least uh, not, you know, with a weird fiery passion. And you don't often get anything which has calligraphy involved at all. And that, of course, is our is our main character who basically gets called boring at an exhibition, even though he is very prominent in his field and uh, punches a dude <laughs> and is <laughs> sent off to the booties to, uh, to, to figure shit out as it were. Uh, so after that, it's pretty much your standard fish out of water uh you know learning the lifestyle learning the people around there's uh definitely a uh great cast of side characters but the highlight is of course our uh precocious young uh naru who is basically the the village pet as it were <laughs> because she just kind of gets everywhere uh it's rambunctious she takes a uh a shine to our our new uh boy and uh becomes kind of the the channel in which he learns to i guess express himself the right way along with the rest of the village uh he'll get visited by others from his life but most of the uh most of the journey here is pretty bog standard uh uh type but it's just a a very enjoyable take on it and as much as uh, Naru is not uh, Yotsuba, <laughs> who is the avatar of all that is uh, good and holy and uh, childlike in, in this universe, uh, uh, definitely there's a, a whole lot of uh, just shit-eating grin at uh, her antics to, uh, to enjoy. Uh, so it's really just a a good time to sit down with. You don't need to uh, have a, a particular case of anything that you're really, you know, in in a funk or in the mood. There, there is some comfort food that uh, 
that it, it's pursued for a particular reason. This one is really just, uh, you know, pick pick it up, enjoy the ride. That is where I'll leave it. I did not watch the uh, spinoff. Uh, I know it's a, it's a bit of a weirder uh, uh, slice of life, high school comedy sort of thing, but I, I didn't think it was going to uh, provide me the same enjoyability outlet as as i wanted from the main series so all right so yeah i mean like i mentioned during our alphabet cast i didn't get into this one i wanted to like it but it just didn't grab me so i never finished it someday maybe i'll give it another chance but not likely so okay uh i want to go ahead i'm gonna start off my list uh this is one that i'm guessing is not gonna be on your list it's another series that did not get enough attention but when you bring it up around the right people you just can see their face light up as they remember it, mm-hmm. uh, and that would be the Yasuri series, Hana Yamada. That's true. It would not make my list, but I, I did have uh, a fun time with Hana Yamada. Hana Yamada is such a fun, just joyful series, and I was really worried uh, about a few months ago, maybe a year ago, that I was because I remembered this series. I was adding it to my favorites of the decade weekly series that I was doing on Patreon. And I was really worried that I was looking at it through nostalgia lenses and that it was all rose tinted glasses. So I went back and rewatched it and yeah, it is still just so cute and just very clever and very fun uh, I really enjoy this series, and it bothers me that more people didn't watch it. Yeah, it's. I don't have a tendency to pick up idle fare or things that are, you know, in that wheelhouse, but I, I did go after certain, you know, one core ones that, that felt like interesting light sit downs, and it is not uh, one where you have to go in and then pick the best girl and uh, fight for her honor on the uh, stage of uh, idol worship. Uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> Hana Yamada and things like Wake Up Girls uh, delivered enough of that that uh, I could enjoy without uh, feeling quite so buried in idolishness. Idolatry. There we go. Idolatry. <laughs> So, all right, let's go ahead. Let's move along to our second one. Uh, What's your second choice? Now, much of the time I've been noticing that, uh, for me, Shonen and Shoujo gets a bit short shrift. At least it doesn't strike me as as high and hard as the uh, more adult fare does. So anything that... Steers Seinen and, and Jose will almost always take my top spots or my most memorable spots and reviewing the earlier years that that seems to be very much the case. Although amusingly at Barakamon I thought was Seinen, but it was actually in a shonen mag. It doesn't feel very shonen to me. But uh I, I felt like giving a, a little bit of uh uh prominence to actual uh uh you know other series, and I was considering whether or not to give Yona of the Dawn the, uh, the, the shoujo mention here, but in the end, I decided to go with Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun, which obviously has to be a shoujo series, because it's right there in the name, Gekan Shoujo Nozaki-kun. <laughs> So this this is one of those uh, uh, very cute, quirky, sweet rom-coms where a whole lot of them I end up not liking a lot of the people or it feels a bit too samey. But the, uh, 
the particular, you know, earnestness of Chio and uh, the weird target of her affections and the side cast and the fact that they're doing, you know, sort of meta-analysis of shoujo uh, romances in the middle of uh, a, uh, a not shoujo, you know, series about it. It it grabbed a particular, you know, humor core to it that I enjoyed. And I actually, in, instead of not a whole lot caring whether or not anything develops between them, because uh, a lot of series I don't necessarily see that the, uh, the, the alpha couplings are actually terribly functional. <laughs> <laughs> and in a way, I feel like these two wouldn't be either, but that's kind of the point. And so I will still uh, cheer for it anyway. And even when you're delivering, um, you know, extremely tropey things going on, uh, uh, it's still it's still just joyous to watch. It has one of the best OPs, so there is that. Uh, it's Doga Kobo doing a good. You know, they'll be involved a lot in, in sort of uh, cute girls doing cute things, uh, uh, more Moe style. So as much as you get a lot of that through the main character in Chio, it it feels more like a uh, an elder hybrid of what they usually do. But it's, uh, as is their want, it's delivered very well. So uh, it's not much of an investment. It's something that I think... Uh, most people should uh, check out just to see if it if it's their bag, baby. Uh, I haven't caught up with the manga, which I believe is still running. I really should. Uh, and so, therefore, my number two selection is the completely shoujo series, uh, Monthly Girls and Ozaki-kun. <laughs> I really liked this show. I wanted badly to put it on my list or even on my honorable mentions, but I just wasn't sure that I had enough to really say about it. Uh, besides the whole, I love this show, please go watch it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have to agree with you that like the characters for this show are really what make it so great. And I love his thoroughly unlikable assistants and friends who get introduced along the way they were just normally when you have characters who are so thoroughly unlikable it is kind of a turnoff but in this case since it was exactly the point of you are supposed to hate these people so so much that it just made it extra funny for me it has some quality tundering in there but uh, from a redhead guy in this case, rather than uh, a Twin Tails. So, you know. So, all right. Uh, so for my number two, we'll go ahead, we'll move along. Uh, my number two is a series that we brought up during the Alphabet cast, uh, but I feel the need to talk about it some more. So here it is. It is my all-time favorite short anime. I can't understand what my husband is saying. I still love this show so much, and I still love that it got a second season down the line, but yeah, I still remember when this show premiered, my wife and I watched the first episode, and the very first thing she did after getting through the, you know, the three or five minutes or however long it was, is putting up a Facebook post describing the series and then asking who has been spying on us to write a series <laughs> about us. Yes, I rather imagine among the uh, otaku sphere, as it were, uh, you'll probably have a, uh, a, a bunch of folks who can relate in some fashion. Yeah, so that was quite the interesting show uh it's still really funny i still really enjoy going back to it every once in a while uh if you haven't watched it yet like i said it's an anime short you can get through both seasons in like two hours so it is not a big time commitment it's a 
if if folks need other attachment points, it's a four coma as well from the uh, an author with a great weird name, uh, <laughs> who is also the author of uh, Dragon Maid. So uh, if if folks you know know that kind of uh, of humor coming forth there, you'll it, it's obviously a bit more grounded than one with uh, dragons who are maids. But, uh, <laughs> but yes, it's it's definitely some uh, some quality series. So, I right, uh, what is your number three series? Well, now that I did the shojo last round, uh, I figured I had to give shonen something, and I was considering whether or not to give this to uh, Noragami one of those series which proves that Battle Shonen uh, in general is best done by uh, women authors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> totally not voided by you at any point for an uh, expanding horizon, so uh, obviously you're a huge fan. Uh, <laughs> but I did not go this way. There is a much more prominent Shonen title this year, which premiered in Monthly Shonen Magazine, and along with The Silent Voice, is one of my premier examples as the the utmost in, in Shonen, and that is, of course, Your Lion April. I have that on my list as well. <laughs> I rather imagine that there's no way to get out of 2014 without mentioning Your Lion April. This, this certainly strikes a whole lot of the uh, community pretty hard in a lot of ways. Uh, for some people, of course, you know, they don't like melodrama or they don't like certain tonal bifurcation and they just, because so many people love it, they must hate it. Uh, that certainly comes up. But for me, this was one of those that I was watching weekly with uh, a friend in Japan and then my friend in California uh and then my mother at one point. <laughs> so I think I watched this series three or four times during its airing. So it, it's one of those where the weird situation, I just had multiple people I was watching with. So I fed upon it. Um, I'm a huge, you know, just sort of music appreciation, uh, classical and jazz more than most, which is why things like Kids on the Slope and... Uh, and your lie in April strike a pretty deep chord with me. My friend in California is a pianist, and uh, I think Chopin is her favorite uh, uh, composer. So, <laughs> so therefore, it had a lot of meaning. And this is one of those things that I have used to bring a lot of normies into it. It's uh, it has certain, you know, it has a number of tropey elements that people can pluck out of anime in general, but I think, you know, j just generically out of dramas in general or uh, uh, quirky romances in general or some coming-of-age something that people are familiar with. And in this case, it tends to, if you're at all receptive to it, it gets its hooks in very, very deep uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, allows you to uh, pass it around. I know that... Uh, Ray from our Discord continues to refuse to watch this and drives me nuts. But uh, <laughs> but this was one of those that I think for the community in general had one of the uh, you know biggest hits of uh, of this year. I forget whether or not I think it crossed over into 2015. So probably yeah, in fact, next year is when it really hit because that's when you ended it. And I suppose it's something that could have played better as a single core rather than two, because it does meander a tad in the middle. Uh, but there were only 11 episode cores. For, for me, it worked pretty well, and I was actually substantially surprised that the ending, which I thought could ruin it, hit as meaningfully as it did, whether or not you find it tremendously cheesy. Eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I was amongst the number of people who uh, who had hit hard, and it and it sounds like you might be as well. 
You're lying, April. I have kind of a complicated relationship with. To be fair, on one hand, I really enjoyed this show. I thought that it was great, really well done. Uh, emotionally, it, it's a gut punch. There is absolutely no denying that. The issue that I had with it is that I thought that it was a little predictable. By episode eight, they were already telling us you know, how it was going to end. So that was, that took a little bit away from it. Uh, so I can't give it like a perfect 10 out of 10, but it's definitely really high up there. That's, that's interesting. I mean, I, I know that we go into these without really telling people, you know, spoilers, but to expect it. I rather imagine anyone listening. The community reputation of this also is pretty much ruined uh, uh, any time it gets mentioned. But uh, you you mentioned the uh, JTOR AM, the podcast you were going with weekly at the time. And this also then is the year where I first podcasted with you. Because I remember that it was early on in July and April, I think episode six, we were doing the weeklies and uh, you, you were missing someone. So I, I forget cause we didn't really know each other prior to that. I think I just followed and chatted with you occasionally on Twitter. I think you just asked if someone wanted to do a thing and I was like, okay, do you, do you remember the circumstance of that? No, I don't. Not clearly, at least. Obviously, I don't mean much to you, then. Uh, but, <laughs> but so we came aboard, and, you know, one of the things that I definitely remember talking about it is, like, the the death flags, as it were, uh, you know, came fast and furious. Even in episode three, she's pulling up next to a hospital right there, Uh we didn't get to as many overt things. So it certainly uh, seemed very much like a doomed outcome. But what I mentioned earlier when I said the ending I thought could completely thrash it, since this was playing week to week, it, was, uh, uh, it wasn't anime original, but the manga hadn't yet ended. It was just going to wrap up. Uh, around the time, you know, shortly before the, the anime would. So there were probably some people who could have pieced together exactly what episode it was going to end on. I think this was, uh, was, this was a Noritama one and those tend to be 11 episodes, which. Yeah. Me. I so. uh, however, when it came up going to that uh, episode 21 and they said that you know the next one the end of that was like okay next one is last I'm like okay I started completely trying to rethink the show because I'm like okay I trust the author enough that he's not going to do you know really crappy uh, throw himself off the cliff ending to this but I could not for the life of me consider something where you had the final performance and the outcome of the surgery and uh Cowdy dying as a part of that and doing all of the afterward and making it a good and worthwhile experience so i'm busy saying maybe you know it's much easier to do an afterward if it simply turns into you know she's okay and they can show something from a few years in the future uh, rather than the wrap-up. So I was busy saying, well, maybe it won't happen because of this experience. And of course it did happen, whether or not it was predictable. Yes, it was obviously foreshadowed from early on. And it's the type of thing, especially if you're in the middle of a melodramatic swings, to be, uh, to be fairly obvious. But simply the fact that the timing of that and the delivery of it still... <laughs> was worthwhile to me i thought picked it up at the end even if you're fighting through an expected outcome from uh from very early on definitely after the uh time they jump off the bridge uh where, where she calls him charlie brown yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it was still it, 
because it uh you know ran its way through the uh the ribbon at the end and did not uh you know stumble on its face or throw itself off course by the end i i give it props for delivering that because a lot of the series kind of don't know what the hell they're doing at the end <laughs> and, and it becomes very frustrating to have to rethink everything that came before because you're like what the heck were you thinking in the way you were <laughs> uh it's also worth mentioning that this series had one of the best ops of the year and that would be hikaru nana from uh, i believe i knew that right from goose house yes uh <laughs> which which was one of the best OPs of the year, hands down. Definitely the best of the year for me, hands down. Nozaki's is competitive in certain ways, but yeah, Hikaru Nara does one of those things that annoys me about OPs that I don't see more doing, which is uh, male and female vo prominent voice duet slash harmonics that strikes just such a, a primal enjoyment layer on me, especially if it blends well, if the interesting stuff is done with it. I don't understand why there isn't a whole lot more of it done, but uh, if if someone is willing to give this, you know, best OP of all time, I'm not going to argue very hard with that either. I'd be, I'd be perfectly fine with that too. But uh yeah, that, that one's really, really high up there for most people, and uh, and great in general. It, it kind of takes the shine off opening, too, even though it's, you know, nice. Because <laughs> you're just like, it's, it's not OP1, that uh, the curse of many a show. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Whenever I'm in anime music quiz... And we get the second OP from Your Lion April popping up. Nobody knows what it is, but <laughs> Goose House comes up and everyone's popping in. Yes. Only only two that that's one of the things when we were doing the uh I'm like uh, surely there's more Goose House stuff out there, so whenever we get around to our favorite E D artists, uh, you know, the but they they don't even qualify by having three openings or three endings i think they they have the your line april one and they have the silver spoon ending uh, and that's about it from what i remember so it, uh, which seems like a shame but all right so since we both had that one on our list let's go ahead let's jump on to your next choice uh we'll see if we overlap on this one as well i rather imagine we have to uh I think my next two are kind of boring in the in the way. And I think that's because, well, there's a lot of 2014 that's interesting and good. Uh, uh, there are fewer just complete highlights uh, for folks. And there are a number of them that just sort of get universal community acclaim, uh, at least very strong. The last one, one of them. And this next one, it's not my favorite PA works, but in a year which delivered one of the worst PA works in Glasslip, uh, you get one of the best in Shirabako. Yeah, I have that one on my list as well. And I'm not... It's, it's another one that's weird because it shared the exact same two uh, seasons as your lie in April, so it's started at the end of 2014 and continued through... Uh, beginning of 2015 uh i think it has one of the best core breaks in in anything because the episode uh, I, I assume it was 13 i don't remember the uh it might have been 12 was the core breaks actually but the the one where they uh where they finished the anime and you get a bunch of things and you get the uh you know, the old guy teaching people how to draw horses and they're they're just pulling their production out of the fire. It's such a, a triumph of uh, feel goods that it, it's one of those, uh, you know, weird, weird ones where I'm like, oh, OK, the anime is over now. Everything is great. And like, no, we got more to come. And it's like, OK, well, I'll certainly take more, but you could have stopped there. 
because uh, <laughs> instead of being like a cliffhanger sort of thing, which you often get, uh, especially if they're going to split the chords up in, in time, it was simply so immensely satisfying. As are, of course, all of the, uh, the characters in general, except uh, one or two of them who are, you know, complete uh, failure state people who are designed for you to hate them. <laughs> and and cheer when your heroes triumph over them in the end. Uh, there's there's just so much cheesy glory uh, from this show, and uh, I think it it certainly it it certainly is the highlight of their. Uh, PA Works doesn't really do cute girls doing cute things or the uh, you know the girls coming of age, but it's their they're working young women uh, tales, which Hanasaku Iroha was supposed to be by initial design, but they weren't sure they could pull it off with like college or young office age characters. So they, they brought it back down to be a high school thing. And obviously as one of their next shows proves here in uh, uh, Shirobako, they could take that concept of the, uh, working women as opposed to their, you know, supernatural high school drama romance in Glass Whip, and they can deliver fine wine on, on the one direction and uh, forgettable weirdness from the other, uh, both of which, if I remember, were, were originals. So this was still, you know, very much in their uh, delivering a constant set of originals, which is uh, another great thing about following the show, because no one knows what's going on and you don't have that part of the community that's busy saying oh wait until next episode and with the and you're like shut up <laughs> uh <laughs> and it was very much in in the state where i was uh joining people week to week and we would just chat about things constantly so uh not the not the high point of that 2015 i think has the highest amount of like weekly uh, uh, following was going on, but uh, but this really felt like where it was starting to uh, seed in with with uh, your lie in April with Shirobako, and I, I feel like this is probably the the remains the PA Works tour de force as far as char overall character design and uh, uh, you know the a giant cast of characters and. Uh, all manner of uh, personalities and, and quirks and, uh, you know, just uh, delivering something that is ostensibly, uh, you know, a very down-to-earth experience in a, in a quasi-magical fashion that, uh, that uh, is really entrancing. So I, I do love me Shirobako. Shirobako is definitely... My favorite meta series ever. It's definitely. I like to make the joke that animation runner Karomi did it really well back in the day, and you know, it was Shirobako before Shirobako was Shirobako. <laughs> right. um, but even still, I mean, Shirobako is just one of those really fun series. It's really enjoyable. I personally learned a lot from it uh which was one of those fun little things that i thought made it extra special i'm not going to bring it up again in 2015 but i do have to say that the sequence in the second core where the director is making his way through the hallways to meet the manga author to confront him is probably one of my favorite anime sequences of all time. <laughs> it is, it is, uh, uh, yes, that kind of dreamlike uh, magical realism state where, right, you, you get this, but in the same episode, if I recall, you also get either that or the, the next uh, shit, I, for, I forget where where one of the ones gets to do her initial D like racing through the countryside right at the end of Shirabaka you're getting a ton of uh, uh, of everything you're you're getting yes that that sequence there which is enjoyable because of course worst character uh, finally gets his comeuppance and, uh, and our struggling hard director gets to have his 
moment in the sun and then they get to uh get together with the author who you think is going to be a real piece of crap but you find out it was just his uh his underling at fault and then everything comes together it's definitely we'll have to uh you know do one of those best we want to do a best second episode of anime but uh, if you're going to pick a best penultimate episode of anime i don't think there's any beating shirabaka's which is what your sequence is in so you you may well agree with that uh, yeah i can i don't think i would argue and the end of it all. is a, a huge feels fest so it's uh it goes out in a uh in a blaze of glory and i have not watched i know there's the movie I've been waiting for it to appear in official form rather than a fan translation. Well, I mean, Eleven Arts just licensed it a few days ago, so yep. so it will it will happen and it, and it will be mine. Although it's it's kind of being it's probably not going to do what I kind of wanted it to do uh, because it is a movie. Of course, it doesn't have as much room to grow. What I thought, of course, was, you know, okay, I don't need any more of Shirobako in this state. Uh, since, obviously, Shirobako taught us everything we need to know about the anime industry in general. I mean, that's <laughs> without a doubt. Once you watch it, you know everything. <laughs> but what I really wanted to see out of it, and I think what it would be very well positioned to do, is be uh, something where, let's say, every ten years... And I don't know if that was an anniversary show as far as PA Works goes, but every every 10 years you drag it out, you do another double core about it, and in this case you get to have, you know, the future of a lot of the characters' lives. They've they've had not a minimal amount of growth, but a a much bigger amount of growth between them, but more to the point, I think you get to tell more about the industry changes that have happened in that amount of time you can represent okay how was you know 20 uh 2014 different than 2024 uh bringing in you know streaming and foreign things uh communal projects you could probably tell a lot more in fact about the industry that you're not going to get to in a movie necessarily while reflecting more of the life this is the thing that i think shirbako should have just been brought back two cores every 10 years uh, for the rest of time. Just keep doing it that way. <laughs> <laughs> that was my, that was my optimal future of it. And we'll see. I'm sure I will love it because I really just want to see more of these characters, uh, especially Owie, who is uh, the lens through which we, we get to appreciate everything. And I think probably uh, most of our, you know, spiritually connected character, especially for any general working stiff, especially when you have to deal with uh, random jerk butts in your unit. <laughs> Freaking Taro! Taro! Alright, uh, let's go ahead, let's jump into our final picks. We'll see if we overlap on this one as well. I'm thinking we might, but there's always that chance. So what is your final we'll pick? See. I did say that the end of my list is kind of uh, boring because it it's fairly standard among the community as far as appreciating. Uh... I normally wouldn't pick a second season of something as it were, but this was my first exposure to the series, and it was one of those things where it was surprising people that eight years after season one, they would actually come back and do a season two of it, and that is uh, Mushishi, The Next Passage. Okay, so we're not overlapping. Good. So this is one of those that's just such a unique experience in general because it's not it's not strictly speaking you kind of assume from the structure of it because it, it's not very plot driven you have your wandering person that usually that's about morality tales uh, and a lot of things I mean if you're if you're gonna grab something like uh, Death Parade which may show up next year. 
<laughs> you're, you're usually bringing in these specific characters and circumstance to tell something about it. Uh, <clears throat> I didn't really get that feel from this. You You did get it from time to time, but it was simply fine with telling these small tales of the weirdness between you know where where the the mushi and the uh and the humans live too close to each other and there isn't really an an understanding of how to deal with the supernatural interconnection and it doesn't turn into there are things to solve quote unquote but it doesn't turn into like morality plays uh terribly often it just turns into a very low-key experience. This is definitely one of those things. I think it's the most quiet uh, anime in general I can think of. The uh, The overall effect of it is very soporific. So even if all you're looking for is something to help you get to sleep, you can probably pick up <laughs> Mushishi. You'll find an enjoyable show, and then you'll just be so comforted by it <laughs> and then eventually you'll drop off to sleep and be like, oh, I'll have to watch that again later. <laughs> uh, but there's definitely still enjoyable characters. Uh, but, it, you know, to, if you're getting sort of a... It doesn't have the adventure uh, uh side of something like Spirited Away does, but it definitely has uh, just an overall you know, almost a supernatural role-playing-like experience where you're being introduced to the characters and the situations and you're just going through it. You're not tapped into a lot of drama. You're not invested in stuff. Sometimes the, the endings don't go anywhere near what you expect. It's not rosy for everyone. It's not straightforward for everyone. It's an aesthetic and a mood almost more than it is a show, uh, which is strange, but you don't often get that kind of thing from any show in general and, and from anime in particular. So to to me, it's a standout uh, experience that everyone should give a shot. I remember way back in the day when I was very first, like seriously getting into anime blogging and watching and all this good stuff and i was really young in my otaku days i gave the first season of mushishi a shot and i just couldn't get into it specifically for every single reason that you just <laughs> named off it just wasn't for me at the time and i want to get back into it and try it again sometime now that i'm older and i can appreciate things that are a little more slow paced and a little more relaxed but i just haven't yet but one of these days i think i'm going to I can definitely see that not being hugely appealing to people who are earlier in their, hey, this anime stuff is pretty cool and are, uh, you know, delving in the, in, in what has the most direct appeal uh, to them. It, it's probably a, a hard one to go, all right, I really dig this. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you're in the middle of everything else. But uh, yeah, I think you would definitely... Uh, I'm not sure if you should start... I don't think it matters if you start from the next passage or the original. You might like starting from season two more, probably because the quality might be a little higher. I, I can't even remember. It doesn't matter a whole lot. It's Artland. It's good. Uh, <laughs> it has it has great openings. They're very... They're very like literally the openings and endings for for it. It's all kind of folk songy. Uh, <laughs> definitely very uh, fitting for it. So if you're like, oh man, I really enjoy this this opening here, then uh, then you may be like, ah, oh, okay, I'll really get into this show. There's there's not a good ginkgo scale figure I can find. There's there's one who's more of a doll. And uh, that's going a bit too far in a direction. I need someone to make a good ginkgo scale figure so I can have a few more guys in my collection. There aren't a, there aren't a lot. <laughs> and uh, and ginkgo would be a a great one to have around. Hear that good smile? 
Make it happen. Because I'm sure they're going to get right on that. Now, if I'm correct, your next one or last one, is it? I forget. Yeah, last one. Uh, might be the closest to a diametric opposite of this. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair <laughs> assumption. Uh, we talked about this on the body count episode. Mm -hmm. It's obvious which one I'm going to pick next, and that would be a Kamiga kill. Just because I love it so very, very much. I saved it for last specifically because I thought maybe we would overlap on it, but oh well. That's why um, I, I avoided the honorable mention on purpose. So, uh, or I would have given yeah. it a, a reminder in the beginning, but uh, I, I was pretty sure. Pretty sure. Yeah, Comic-Con Kill is a body count series. It is a series where you shouldn't get attached to mm. anyone for any particular length of time because the odds are good is that they're going to die. So, and that's part of the appeal of the series is once you realize that, it becomes a drinking game of who's mm. going to die next. And uh, will it be more interesting or more badass than the last? Yeah, you don't. You don't just have your one of your main character teams gets to go out in their blaze of glory, kind of thing, and that becomes uh, what I remember by the end of it. Uh, yes, there is. Uh, there's an awful lot going on. I find that uh, that the the combat in this, as far as you know, kind of a bog standard shonen uh, even as edge fasty as it might be i think it does a pretty decent job in uh combining the the characters and their crap i'm forgetting what you actually call those things what are their oh what there's are, like what are their artifacts yeah sacred art or something like that but uh, so they all have uh, interesting things. You get to see them use them in, in interesting ways, uh, even if one of them is just, hi, mine is a sniper rifle. Mine is <laughs> a sniper rifle. Uh, <laughs> or a giant pair of scissors. It's still fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the fact that they have a giant pair of scissors as their special weapon still amuses me to this day that's part of the this is part of the whole charm of the series is just how silly and wacky it is and yet it's still taken so seriously shere was my first exposure to the voice actress mamiko noto who i uh definitely recognize in in almost everything since and uh, enjoy a lot she's one of my my modern favorites and she gets to show up and be you know, mature lady and ara ara herself all over the place. Occasionally <laughs> be an assassin in uh, ReZero. You know, she's Elsa from that. But uh, yeah, and, and, and another one that I think has a, a good mixture of uh, character designs and personalities that you can have fun with, but still see as part of the... Uh, uh, slightly edge-fasty environment, but be invested enough in to care about them even to the point of whether or not they can have a successful romance between some of the characters who are showing it. Now, I know the contentious part of it, which we did talk about it at the, at the time, was uh, that it steered very much into an anime original ending, so you would never be able to continue the manga as it were, but I, I know for a lot of people that's bad, but I remember the manga going into, ah, uh, what the heck was it? Night Raid, I think. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Night Raid was the main one. It's Wild Hunt. Um, once they got into the, the timeline after that and we saw more of the things, I was just like, ah, oh, God, enough already. <laughs> I ended up not liking the manga enough that I was really glad that the anime decided, you know, to steer in the direction that it ultimately would, because I found that more satisfying than uh, than the direction that the manga would go in and then peter off during. So uh, I'm I'm fine with it. <laughs> 
I think it's an improvement. I don't know if you've read the manga otherwise. No, I have not read the manga, so I can't comment on which ending I prefer. I thought the anime ending was pretty good. If we ever do our um, No More Seasons podcast, uh, I think a copy got kill might actually get mentioned during that one. Ad- admittedly, it's challenging one. <laughs> it's like, well, we, we could make a new series with these two characters. <laughs> and what? Well, I mean, not to spoil the ending of the series, but you do have, you know, the one character remaining who is off, you know, drifting in the desert or whatever. So it's not unheard of. Yes, no, I know it's not unheard of, but it it wouldn't resemble the the original series terribly much. It would just kind of be starting over with a with a very truncated cast. But yeah, I don't I don't see much reason to. uh, do that. I think there was a side story, but I think it was prequel rather than uh, sequel for the for the manga. Yep. So, all right. Uh, did you have any other comments, questions, anything that you wanted to bring up before we sign off for the day? I don't think so. I think that does twenty fourteen a uh, a good deal. I guess. Uh, what is it? I could do the uh, the one news story which I which I shared. We haven't been doing news as part of this, but uh, and we didn't lead off with a news thing, but I can end with it. Because uh, okay. I remember when, when I was on the podcast with you, this was my, you had everyone pick a story, uh, something in the news for the week to do. I, d- I don't remember what uh, what you and, and uh, Lifesong had going on, but uh, I, I remember the uh, anime web turnpike had shut down finally in 2014. Which uh, is one of those things that I that I think no modern fan knows about, like at all. And I don't mean since 2014. I mean anyone in the, you know, kind of in the era of uh, almost, you know, anything post Cowboy Bebop. It feels like it was very much of the era of uh, you know immediate anime websites. It was the online community hub. And it was literally the only hub that uh, Otaku really had way back in the day. And for me, that would have started in, you know, like 93, uh, where you barely had websites. And then going on, you you just had these fan pages with pictures on it. But the Anime Web Turnpike was where you, you had people compiling stuff. Anything that was a useful resource showed up here. People's individual, you know, blogs for these are the... 10 best girls and the 10 worst girls, or here's my Tenchi Muyo fan page, and here's my Orange Road uh, shrine to a Yukawa. Like, literally <laughs> everything was stuffed in through here. So of a couple websites that were my everything back in the day, which was Hitoshi Doi's uh, Seiyu database, so that I could follow voice actors and actresses through their uh, various roles, and I discovered new shows by being like, oh, I really like this character and how they're acted. And then I discover a new show, and then I go try to pursue that show. The Anime Web Turnpike was the other place. And for years prior to shutting down, uh, Anna Pike was, you know, pointless. It had already been, you know, overwritten by Anime News Network and other portals. Uh, I forget. It was purchased by someone, but like they could never figure out anything to do with it. And it just was completely suffering. So 2014 was putting it out of its misery, but uh, it was such a weirdly prominent portion of an exact, like, you know, once there was an internet, that was the uh, otaku internet. And it lasted for a, for a good while in the beginning, but once the internet branched out, it uh, it did not adopt adapt properly, and uh, and it's sad, but it it occupies a a weird you know portion in in my uh, memory of things uh, all things weeb. So <laughs> I'll give it I'll give it a send off. Uh, even here in twenty twenty, I'll give it a second send off. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, if we're sending things off, we might as well go ahead and give a shout out to Sai Moe as well, which this yeah. was probably either the last year or the first to last year. I don't remember if it ended in 14 or 15. I think, but... that, I think this was the last year because you introduced me to it, but it would have been earlier in the year. So I was waiting for the next uh, Saimoe to be able to use characters from Celestial Method and your lie in it to be part of my, you know, betting tier, but it didn't happen again. So, yeah, so poor went out for that as well. Saimoe was definitely one of the highlights of my year for a good few years there. I really loved following that stupid tournament, <laughs> especially if you liked. Uh, Madoka Magica or Asaki characters? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, those last couple of years. Oh, my <laughs> God. So, all right. Let's go ahead. Let's wrap things up at that point. I've been LB. Thank you, CT, for joining me for another fun discussion. Thanks. And as usual, thank you to all of you for listening. A uh, reminder that these episodes go up on Patreon first. That's patreon.com slash otaku review. And then they hit major podcast providers a week later. So if you want to be the first to listen to these, please feel free to visit us on Patreon. Uh, also, please feel free to give us a like, share, and subscribe. And we will talk to you all again very soon. Have a good night. Night, folks.